If you'll turn in your Bibles to the first chapter of the book of Galatians. Last week we looked at the first five verses of this first chapter of Galatians. Today we begin with verse 6 of the first chapter. You follow on the printed page as I read aloud, beginning with verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. For we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For I now persuade men or God. Let me try that again. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The heart of the gospel is dear to the Apostle Paul. You remember, he was one that hated the gospel. He was the one that was persecuting the church, trying to stamp out the movement as he saw it that was taking place among the Jews of turning away from Judaism and following this new teaching that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the promised Messiah. And Paul was involved in that until his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he was on his way to persecute the church when he was stopped in mid-trip and was in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, it was there that Paul met Jesus and he was called to be a disciple, an apostle for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he later, of course, identified himself as the apostle to the Gentiles, carrying the gospel, staying true to preaching the gospel all the days of his life, even to the point of being persecuted, to the point of being arrested, uh, to the point of being imprisoned. He never wavered, wavered from his call to preach the gospel of Jesus. And Paul, who had come out of what he had been in, so educated into Judaism, so knowledgeable, an educated man. Today, he would have a Ph.D. in theology, for he knew the Scriptures, he knew the teachings, and yet when he met Jesus and had an encounter with him, Jesus changed his life, changed his heart, changed everything about him, and he began to serve the Lord and share that everywhere he went. And the churches in Galatia had been touched by that ministry, 
And those churches had been started by the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and he finds that these Judaizers are misleading them, and they're telling them that something else must be added to the gospel that Paul preached. It has to be what the Jews did along with their following of the teachings of Jesus and what Paul had preached to them. And so they're trying to mix the two, and they're telling them, uh, you, got to, you can become a Christian, but you've got to continue your Jewish habits and your, your Jewish festivals and, and feasts and so forth. And then they said to the Gentiles that if you're going to become a Christian, first of all, you've got to become a Jew. And you've got to join Judaism, and, and you've got to start keeping the law, and then you can become a Christian. And they're trying to mix the two because why? They do not have faith in Christ. They have not had their hearts changed. They had not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they did not understand this gospel. They did not understand what was taking place in the ch place in the churches of Galatia. And all these folks sold out to Jesus, worshiping him, serving him, have laid aside those things of Judaism, of, of practicing the law, and they're following by grace through faith the teachings of the Apostle Paul and the disciples and those older Christians. They're following them and they're learning to walk with Jesus and to serve him. And these others are coming in and invading their presence and telling them something has to be added to what they're believing and what they're teaching. The gospel of Jesus Christ was real in Paul's life. It's not just something that he preached or taught. It's something that he lived. It is something that he had experienced in his own heart and life, and it was real to him. The Apostle Paul the God, saw the gospel as Christ as a, excuse me, a precious message that is to be proclaimed everywhere someone is to go. And he says it's a precious message because he is a precious Savior. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Well, Paul has outlined what is the gospel when he said in 1 Corinthians, Moreover, I declare unto you the gospel, colon, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised from the dead. Say that with me. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised from the dead. Everybody in the room, say it one more time. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised from the dead. Let me tell you, Paul said that's the gospel. And there's no one in this room that could ever say, I never was exposed to the gospel. I never had an opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because you have heard it three or four times now that Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose from the dead. And you said it with your own lips. So there, you are without excuse. You have heard the gospel, and it becomes your opportunity to believe on that gospel, to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
every person, if you die without having received Jesus Christ into your life, there's a hell awaiting. I don't like to talk about that. Nobody wants to hear that people go to hell. I don't know of a preacher anywhere that delights in preaching on the subject of hell. I remind myself to do it about once a year from this pulpit. I think it's a necessary thing to be delivered, a truth that people need to be reminded of as Christians and a truth that those who have never come to faith in Christ could understand what awaits them. But Paul says, those who do not believe will spend an eternity separated from God. But not only is this message to Paul a precious message because he had personally received it and believed it and been born of the Spirit of God, but it is a powerful message. He preaches a powerful message. Let me tell you, anytime you share the gospel, you are sharing a powerful message. Every time the preacher preaches on the gospel, he is preaching a powerful message because it's a message that when it penetrates the heart and the mind of an individual, it has the power to change everything about that person's life, about their eternal destiny, and about who they're following and what they believe. The gospel is a powerful message. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile or Greek. Paul knew that the gospel was a powerful message. He was a little man. He wasn't known as a powerful man. He was powerful in his living. He was powerful in his message. He was powerful in his faith. He was powerful in being faithful to the call that God had given him to be a messenger of the truth of Jesus Christ. And he went through that. But he was a little man, but he understood that what he had to share was a powerful message that could change lives. Let me tell you, that's the reason the Dowrida Baptist Church believes in sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the work of evangelism. That's the reason we're going to have backpack giveaway next week. Of course, it is a social ministry. Of course, it is reaching out to the community and giving them something that they need and, and being able to prepare to go back to school and have their book bag and to have their supplies that they're required to have. Of course, it is a ministry. But the reason we do it is because we want the community to know that in Jesus, we love them. And in Jesus, we want to see them come to faith in the Christ that we know and that we served. And next Sunday afternoon, there'll be a time when we'll shut down the blow-ups. Blow <laughs> Not a blowout, I hope. But when we shut, up, shut down the blow-ups and we shut down the refreshments, and I'll go to the microphone and through the PA system, I'll share the gospel and some of you who have been through faith training, many of you need to be here 
to find individuals that you watch them as they move their lips perhaps and pray that sinner's prayer with me and you be looking around and you see those that respond to the gospel or someone who is emotionally moved and, 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 and you realize that that person has heard the gospel, it has penetrated their hearts and they are responding to the gospel and you go to them and you, you take your training, you take your experience. If you've never been faith trained, you just take your testimony and go to them and share I prayed that prayer many years ago. I prayed it last year at Vacation Bible School. Or I, I, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I want you to know it's the most wonderful thing you've ever done to trust Him. He not only changes your heart and gives you forgiveness and life everlasting, but He indwells you. He'll lead you. He'll bless you. He'll guide your life. He'll bring more joy to your life than you've ever experienced before. You can be that kind of a witness. You can give that kind of a testimony by being a part of a simple thing like giving away backpacks to boys and girls and their parents not having to spend that money to buy those supplies but it being handed to them so that they'll be pre prepared to go to school the next week but let me tell you what it's one thing to give them something to prepare them to go to school it's one thing to give them supplies to be able to say, I'm here ready to go. I've got my paper. I have my pencils. I have my backpack. I have all of these things. But it's quite another thing to give them Jesus. Quite another thing to share Jesus with them and tell them and tell their mamas and daddies and their older brothers and sisters and their grandparents about Jesus and that he gives forgiveness, he gives life, he is hope, he is eternal life, and he will give it to all of them and forgive them of every sin. What a, an awesome opportunity we have next Sunday afternoon. It is a powerful message. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Isn't that a good truth? And we need to walk in that truth as we share it. But not only is it a powerful message, it is a perfect message. It's not the gospel of Jesus mixed with something else. It's not the gospel of Jesus and, and includes some kind of works you've got to do. It's not the gospel of Jesus and his grace and his mercy and his love and the forgiveness that he offers. It's not the gospel of Jesus of sharing of his death on the cross, becoming our sins, and that he was buried and that he arose the third day and he now lives to receive us into his kingdom to be our Lord and Savior. It is... A perfect message. You don't add anything to it. It's not the gospel of Jesus and church membership. And I think church membership in, is important. Absolutely, I think that. It's not the gospel of Jesus and baptism. I know that baptism is important. I believe that and we practice that. It's not the gospel of Jesus and communion, though communion is important for those who have believed in the gospel of Jesus and received him as Lord and Savior. But it's not Jesus plus anything else. It's not Jesus plus church membership. Now, I believe in church membership. I believe that as you read the, whole, the New Testament, you find that the letters written in the New Testament are written to the churches 
to the established churches that have come together. And there, there's an organization of the churches as they have come together as a body of believers and the practice of the local church, sharing Jesus with the community, meeting together to worship and sing songs and hymns of praise and to study the Word and to preach the Word and invite those that have never believed to come to that gathering of believers. I believe in church and I believe in church membership. Matter of fact, I think everybody in town ought to be a member of Dalrada Baptist Church. Now, a lot of other church members wouldn't agree with that in other churches, but I just really think it's, this is the best place in town. I really believe it's the best place in town to come and worship, and the fellowship is wonderful. And you can look around at the folks that's in here. Now, don't look at this section. There's not many of them in there. But, I mean, we look around, just kidding. We look around and see each other, and you know you're in a place where people love you. You're in a place where people care. You're in a place where the gospel is preached. You're in a place where we teach the Word. We want to practice the Word. We believe the Word. And you're in a group of people today that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're with brothers and sisters in Christ. There's not only a camaraderie. There is a family atmosphere. We belong to the family of God but God, through his Holy Spirit, has placed us in the family of the Dalreda Baptist Church. I love Dalreda Baptist Church. Do you? Let's say it. I love Dalreda Baptist Church. You can say it better than that. I love Dalreda Baptist Church. I'm telling you, I do love the, Dal the Dalreda Baptist Church, but I do not need the da Dalreda Baptist Church plus Jesus to be saved. I don't need anything else other than to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. All of these other things are important. Believe in baptism, believe in communion, believe in church membership. But you don't add that to the gospel. And that's where we stand different from a lot of other denominations. We believe it is the gospel and the gospel only is the message to share to a lost world that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins, becoming our sins. He was buried in a borrowed grave. He arose from the dead. He has ascended back to the Father, and he's there today to receive all who will come to him by faith and forgive them and give them everlasting life. Forgive them, yes, on the basis that he paid for every sin he died for every sin, and he has the ability, he has the power, he has purchased the power and the ability to forgive every sin because of what he's done. There's nothing to be added to the gospel. And these Judaizers were telling those folks throughout Galatia, you got to add something else to it. And Paul says in verse 6, I marvel. I am beside myself. I, I just can't believe it. I, I just marvel at the fact that you have been led away, that you are following some other teaching. You're adding something else to the pure gospel. I can't believe that's happening, that, that, that you're being preyed upon by these false teachers. The phrase it uses that you're removed, it is a, in the present tense, actually. It's happening right now, he said. 
right there in your midst. There are those that are being removed from the pure gospel. And they're being led to add something else to it that they've got to follow all these other practices and all of these laws and, and all of these festivals and all of these celebrations. They have to do all that. Paul says that's pure nonsense. The simple truth of the gospel is what needs to be shared and believed. And the gospel in itself is powerful to change lives. Let me share with you very quickly three important truths about this passage of Scripture. Number one, I want you to notice the target. The target of those who are teaching another gospel is the church. It's the believer. You know, I'm sure Paul would have liked to have said, why don't you go somewhere else and tell that? But she said they didn't have anybody else to target. They're targeting the, targeting, targeting the believers, the local church, people who have received Christ as their Savior, folks who are trying to grow in their walk with him, who, who are trying to grow spiritually and become stronger as young Christians. And they're targeting them and saying, whoa, 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 you didn't get the whole truth. Oh, you're, you're, yeah, what, what he says about Jesus and what you're believing about Jesus, that's true. But that's not enough. You can't do that. If you just believe that and go on with your life, then you, you're not going to please God. You're not going to be right with God. You've got to do these other things. You, you've got to cross your T's. You've got to dot your I's. You, listen, you can cross your T's and dot your I's until your hand's tired, tired. But that won't get you right with God. Paul's saying the target, as you look at verse 8, look at verse 7 first. He says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you. Verse 8, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, there it is again, than that which we have preached unto you. Verse 9, as we have said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, who are the targets of those who preach another gospel? It is the saved people that they go after. Beloved, you won't find false teachers or cults out trying to involve lost people in their false teachings. They're always trying to invade the church. They're always trying someone, trying to confuse someone who is trying to walk with Christ. And, and usually it's a, a very immature Christian that's just come to faith and they've not grown very much. So that doesn't mean anything about their age. I'm not talking about children. You could have been saved when you were six years old. But you're not growing. You haven't been grown. You haven't been in the Word. You haven't been discipled. You, you have not matured in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you're a target. 
to be confused about what is truth and what you need to do and, and to mix something else with the gospel of Jesus. That's the reason it's so important that you sit under the preaching of the tr truth of the Lord Jesus, that you sit under the preaching of the truth of the Word of God, and that it's taught in your classes, in your Sunday school classes, and you hear the truth of the Word of God, and it's planted in your life, it's planted in your mind, it's planted in your heart, and you live by the truth that is shared through the teaching of the Word. And if you grow in that and you grow and you mature, you get to the point where somebody can come and offer you something to be added to the truth of the word, something you need to do or some, something you need to practice or, or to give you some fairy tale about something that's happened somewhere and that you ought to trust in that. Listen, if you're growing in Christ, if you're in the word of God, if the Holy Spirit is directing you and growing you spiritually as you study his word and as you worship him and hear it preached from the pulpit then you'll not be the target but they target those who are spiritually weak spiritually immature and because of that paul is livid when he starts writing this letter he is just he is so angry that those that he had personally led to the Lord, those that had become new Christians and others that had been reached through those that he had discipled are being targeted by these that would add something to the simple gospel of Jesus and simple teaching of the word of God, and they were adding things to it and leading them astray, and some were falling by the wayside. Paul says, stop it, stop it, stop it. The total message is the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. Nothing can be added to that. I remind you, he is writing to saved people. He's writing to the churches throughout Galatia. He's writing to people whose names have been written down in heaven in the Lamb's book of life, whose lives have been transformed by the excuse me, the power of the gospel. He's writing to save people and warning them. Listen, he says, don't you understand that you are a target of a satanic attack and Satan does not come with a bombarding of atheism because he knows that they already believe in the truth. But Satan comes bombarding with heresy. And there are many who will believe that. You said, see, the devil is not going to bother those who already belong to him. He's already got them. Why would he mess up his own apple cart? The devil comes after those he doesn't have anymore. And thank God... He can never have us again. He cannot steal us away. He may try to lead us astray, but he cannot steal us from Christ. And so the target against the gospel is against you and against me. Notice the second thing. Not only the target for the other gospel 
But notice what he says about the preachers of another gospel. We discovered that the Apostle Paul had never given in to the philosophy of being kind to false preachers. If you study his writings, he calls a spade a spade. He calls a snake a snake. He does not back down from speaking straightforwardly and forthcomingly with those who teach another thing. He first of all says in verse 7, which is not another, talking about another gospel, but there are some that trouble you, Paul says. These false preachers are troublemakers. <laughs> troublemakers. Trouble means to unsettle. It means to subvert. It means to bring confusion into the person's mind. And that's what they were doing, bringing confusion. Can I tell you, through all of my years, as young as I am, through all of my years of ministry, there have been many times when someone's come to talk to me or gotten in a conversation with me and they share things that they have heard from a TV preacher or they've heard someone else say or they let the wrong person who knocked on the door into their home and led them astray. And I just often wonder, how in the world can that happen? How can that happen? I can tell you how it can happen. They're not growing spiritually. They're not staying in the truth of the word. They're, they're not living out the power of the word in everyday life. And we find that these are troublemakers, stirring up trouble in the lives of God's people. Now, let me tell you, you're confronted with it. it. It doesn't come in the form of what it used to be of a knock at the door and handing you a piece of paper and telling you to read it. It doesn't come in that form like it used to. And, 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 you know, there's so much available through cable TV and satellite TV. I doubt there are very many in the room that watch a religious broadcasting uh, network on a regular basis. It comes through it to us through those who introduce another belief outside of the belief of the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I may get criticized, have been, but I will not back away from what the Scripture teaches and what we ought to believe. I can be criticized for not going along with the new movements and not just accepting every lifestyle that anybody wants to live and any kind of relationship anybody wants to have. I'm telling you, when it comes to the Word of God, I'm staying with the Word of God. And when it comes to the truth of the Word of God, I'm going to walk in that truth. I'm going to believe that truth. I'm going to teach that truth. And what happens, the attack is not made in the, the, to the lost because they already belong to Satan. They already believe everything that comes along. 
They always listen to the reasoning of the world. They always listen to the reasoning of the person who's walking in a sinful lifestyle. They always listen to that, and there's a, there's a pity, there's a, there's a caring about them. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying that the church ought not to care. We ought to care. We ought to care. But we ought to stand firm in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives as to what the Word of God teaches and not be led astray. Now, that's a little bit off the subject, but I want you to notice the second thing that he says about them. He says in verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. He says not only are they troublemakers, but they're perverts. That's a strong word. You know who you'd call a pervert? You know. The Apostle Paul uses that word to describe those who would teach something contrary to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls them perverts. Be careful. Be careful what you listen to and what you take into your life. You see, if you have to add something else to it, let me tell you what's brought into it most of the time. Works, good works. It's not just salvation by grace through faith. It is good works. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to follow these things. You got to do these rules. But just say you try that. You, that that's, that's your lifestyle. You, you, just, you adopt that as your belief, and you adapt your life to trying to cross every T and dot every I. And, and, and you, you've crossed T so many times and dotted so many I's, and, and you've lived through life, and you've, you've done that, and you get to be 80 years old. I know there's nobody in the room that old. But uh, you get to be 80 years old, and, and you're still driving your car. And you're out driving, and you stop at a stop sign. It's four-way stop. There's another car comes up right as you start to go, and they don't even stop. They just slow down a little bit and plow in the side of you. And you yell out, you sorry, stinking liar, what are you doing? Well, all of those 80 years of keeping the law, all those 80 years of adding to the gospel of Christ, just went out the window in one moment. It's not Jesus plus anything, Paul said. It's not the gospel plus anything else. It is the gospel and the gospel alone. He says they're cursed of God for what they did. But I want you to see one last thing, and I'll be through. We not only see the target of another gospel and the preachers of another gospel, but I want you to see the futility of another gospel. Paul says in verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him who called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another do you know why it's not another gospel because there is no other gospel the gospel is the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus 
He says, and you've been following another gospel that is not another gospel. There's only one. There's only one gospel to which God has called you. Look at verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you. You see, not only does God call people to one gospel, Jesus is the theme of the only gospel. And the Holy Spirit only convicts people of the one gospel. Verse 9 says, As we said before, so I say it again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, how does a person receive the gospel? Do they just come in off the street and sit there and wonder what the preacher is going to say? And the preacher preaches the gospel and sit there and with a ledger or a calculator and decide, well, these are the pluses. These are the minuses to the gospel. And based on the pluses or the minuses, they decide whether to accept or reject the gospel. No. I'll tell you why people reject the gospel. Because they, become, they come out of the preaching or the hearing of the word. I said reject and I meant receive the gospel. They receive the gospel because they come out of the preaching of the teaching of the word. They know that they're sinners. They know that Jesus died. And if they'll repent of sin, they'll be wonderfully, gloriously, eternally saved. Folks, that's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And there's only one gospel that preaches salvation by grace. There in verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel of the grace of Christ. Marvel. Remember, they're young Christians. Remember, they're young churches. He says, I marvel. I can't believe it. I don't understand that. I am I'm perplexed that you have fallen in the trap of another gospel. And you've been removed from your walk in the gospel of grace. Let me tell you something. The pure gospel of Jesus mixed with anything else is failure miserable lostness hopeless the songwriter says it's grace 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 wonderful grace coming down from the father above grace grace matchless grace grace that will pardon and cleanse from sin. It's God's grace. Through the responding to the gospel 
of Jesus. Let's stand firm in the gospel of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, a few minutes ago, this entire congregation said the words that the gospel is Jesus died, Jesus rose, and Jesus has ascended into heaven and coming again. That Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again. That's the gospel. Lord, if there's a person in this room that said that a while ago, but they've never believed on Jesus, never trusted in the simple truth of the gospel, that Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again, I pray that this morning they will say, Lord Jesus, I believe your gospel. I believe that you died for my sins on the cross, that you were buried And on the third day, you rose again, and you live today. And because you live today, Lord Jesus, come into my life and into my heart. Help me walk with you and trust you. I ask you in Jesus' name, amen.